0: Amen. Let's pray and ask God's blessing upon us and pray that he indeed would speak to us. Heavenly Father, we do thank you once again this this morning as we are gathered as your people, gathered together before your face, asking that you would come by your spirit. And not only that you would inhabit our praises, but indeed that you would open our ears that we might hear the Spirit is saying to the church, open our eyes that we would see the glories of Christ Jesus. And in hearing and seeing that we would adore Him, that we would worship Him, that we would glory in Him and in Him alone. And so we pray this morning that you would speak to us, that your word would be alive, That it would convict us where we need convicting. That it would comfort us where we need comforting. That all in all, your word would indeed point us to Jesus. and That in seeing him and hearing him, he would once again appear more glorious, more wonderful, more honorable, more praiseworthy, more beautiful in anything this world has to offer. We pray and we ask that you would do all this and more according to your will and in your own way. We pray it in the name of our Savior and soon coming King, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. When you read the Bible, there is, particularly in the Gospels, there is something that just jumps out at you. It is, it is unmistakable. It is unavoidable. It is a simple truth that Jesus performed miracles. Jesus performed miracles. Now, for, for us, there's probably nothing really remarkable about that statement. You would say, tell me something I don't know. Those who read the Bible, that is an obvious truth. To us on every page of the gospel, it seems seems like Jesus is performing a miracle. And yet to those in Jesus' day, this was a huge deal. This was big news. For not every day did they come across somebody of Jesus' character and insight, and he was performing such wonderful miracles and works as Jesus did And the miracles that Jesus performed, they were real. They were substantial. And they were substantiated. They were not the false. They were not the contrived. They were not the fake. They were not ultimately the exposed variety of what we often see men doing in our day. His were not the phony miracles, the fake miracles of people like Peter Popoff, W.V. Grant, Robert Tilton, Benny Hinn, and a host of others. It would seem that in our day, all of those News agencies and outlets have taken their turn in exposing the falsities of false faith healers in our day. Everyone has taken their crack at them and found them to be phony and false. Such was not the case with Jesus tried as they may, doubt as they would, Jesus' miracles were not only substantial, but they were substantiated because they were real. They were real and they were purposeful. They were real because unlike what we often see in our days, Jesus' miracles was not an attempt to create a sideshow. Jesus was not trying to gather a a crowd and to fill an auditorium to pass a basket. Rather, his miracles were purposeful. They were poignant. They were picturesque. There was a message in his miracles. There was meaning in his miracles. And these meaning and the messages that his miracles did drew people beyond the miracles themselves and pointed to the greatest story and the glory that is God. The miracles had purpose. The miracles that Jesus performed had had several purposes, in fact. One of them is easy to see, and that was the fact that the miracles were for mercy to those in misery. you see this all the time, that one of the purposes of Jesus in performing a miracle was just to relieve those who were in misery. Because his heart and his ministry was full of mercy, that he came in the mercy and the grace of God. And every healing, every deliverance, every inexplicable supernatural act of Jesus was for the purposes of God's grace and mercy being demonstrated and displayed in the life of those who were in some sort of misery. Whether it was change, changing the water into wine, whether it was the calming of the sea, whether it was the raising of people from the dead. Each time Jesus performed a miracle, it demonstrated the mercy of God in the time of great need. That was not, only the, that was not the only purpose of Jesus performing miracles. I think the greater purpose is that it was a manifestation of the kingdom. The primary purpose of the miracles went beyond those in in need and was for the demonstration and revelation of the kingdom of God upon the earth. That when Jesus came into the world, there was the kingdom of God breaking through, breaking forth into the kingdom of darkness. And the performing of miracles... It's again just a manifestation of the greatness and the power of the kingdom of God to overcome the kingdom of darkness. You know the promise of God from the very beginning was this. The promise of God was that he was going to send a Messiah, and this Messiah would be the one who would usher in the kingdom of God with power and grace and truth. And this is what Jesus himself said concerning the miracles and the ministry that he had come to bring. In Matthew 12 and verse 28, he says, If it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come Upon you. Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. You remember when John the Baptist was languishing in prison? John the Baptist had been sent to prison, and and this time, this was the final time that he was going to be under the the boot, as it were, of the authorities, because this time his head was going to be required of him. And John the Baptist is languishing in there in prison, and he knows. He understands the moment. He knows the the pending doom that is coming upon him. But he also knows that he was to be the forerunner. He was to be the one who was going to proclaim that the Messiah was coming and that Messiah was going to usher in the kingdom of God. Overthrow all of the kingdoms. Bring righteousness to rule upon the earth. And everyone will live happily ever after. John's in prison. His head is about to be on the chopping block. Doesn't sound like a happily ever after ending to John. Something must be wrong. Is Jesus really who John thought he was? So John sends his disciples to go and ask Jesus, Are you the one? Or should we be looking for another? because I'm on death row. And Jesus tells John's disciples, Jesus says in Luke chapter 7, "You go and tell John what you have seen and heard: The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised and the poor have the good news preached to them. In other words, John, the kingdom of God is at hand. Fear not, John, you will lose your head. Yes, but the kingdom of God goes forth. Be comforted. The king is here king is here the miracle before us this morning is no different the miracle of of healing of the death man is interestingly not recorded in any of the other gospels it is unique to mark and that is an interesting fact i i think because i think it keeps in 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 tune with mark's Theme And that is this quick pace and understanding of Jesus' ministry is happening at a rapid speed. And it seems like this miracle Jesus quickly does. He quickly turns aside, grabs the man, takes him off by himself, and he heals this man of his deafness. wasn't recorded in the other Gospels, and therefore we might be tempted to think it is a minor miracle. And yet, though it seems minor in terms of Jesus' pantheon of miracles, it is mighty in the illustration of the kingdom of God for us this morning. It is mighty in the illustrating the kingdom of God for us this morning. But not only do the miracles show for us the purpose of God's kingdom, the miracle in particular, this one, picture for us the nature of God's kingdom. This pictures the nature of God's kingdom. Miracles not only have the purpose of pointing us to the kingdom of God, but they also paint for us a picture of our entrance into the kingdom of God. The miracles are illustrative, beloved. Jesus is not just going around lily-nilly performing, willy-nilly performing miracles. But what he is doing, he is showing the purpose, but not just the purpose. He is painting pictures. Pictures for our understanding. Pictures for those around him. Pictures for all to see. This is how you come into the kingdom of God. Well, this miracle show us pictures for us does it not pictures for us it illustrates our inability it illustrates our inability notice notice in this in this passage how others brought the man to Jesus others brought the man to Jesus notice that others not only brought the man but others begged And pleaded with Jesus to lay hands on the man. They brought him. They begged Jesus. They pleaded with Jesus. They urged Jesus. Please, please lay hands on him. Please touch him. Like the blind like the demon-possessed, like the lame, like the poor, like the thirsty, like the dead, the deaf man illustrates for us all how weak and disabled we all are and stand in the need of God's mercy and grace. If we're going to enter into the kingdom of God. For we are all like the deaf man. All are ravaged by sin. See, see this morning in the deaf man. See your own spiritual condition prior to coming to faith in Christ. Were we not, were we all not only dead, but we were all deaf. Deaf. Deaf to the call of Christ, deaf to the Word of God. You remember the first time you ever put on a Walkman and headphones? Some of you may not even know what a Walkman is. I remember the first time, or maybe you put on noise-canceling headphones. I remember the first time I put on a Walkman. My older brother came home, he had this thing I don't know what it was it was a small little cassette player you remember what those were a small little cassette player and he had these headphones in it and I took it from him and I put these headphones on and I pushed play I had never heard anything like that in all my life the sound was so clear I turned it up as high as it could go, and immediately I was transported into a whole different world. Nothing else around me even mattered. I heard nothing. I cared about nothing. That was the clearest, most profound sound I had ever heard in all of my life. Every human being, beloved, is born into this world with spiritual headphones on. Noise-canceling headphones. And the only thing that is piped in them is the foolishness and the sinfulness of this world. Can't hear anything else. Can't hear anything of God. Can't hear anything of good godly reasoning. Can't hear anything but what is being piped into those spiritual headphones. Deaf to God. Deaf to sound and serious and godly reasoning and understanding. As a nature, that is the condition to which every human being is born, comes into this world. Not only are they unwilling to hear, they are unable. They have spiritual headphones on, and they don't even know it. Not only are they unwilling to hear, The deaf man was unable to hear. Just because there are ears on both sides of our heads does not mean that anything of significance is getting in. This is why the Bible says that Jesus spoke in parables, is it not? You remember that in chapter 4 and verse 12? He said, seeing they don't see, hearing they don't hear. It is not that you're not hearing anything. When you put the headphones on, you're hearing a lot. And it sounds good. There's nothing but death to your soul. It sounds good, but it's the way of death. It's the way of destruction. Seeing they don't see and hearing they don't hear. And those who can't hear spiritual truth can't speak spiritual truth either, beloved. If you don't hear right, you won't speak right. They tell us that when babies are are born and babies begin to grow, if there is some type of speech impediment, if there is some slowness in learning to talk, one of the first things that the physicians will do is to check for the hearing. Because if you can't hear right, you won't speak right. Right, And those who can't hear spiritual truth, can't speak spiritual truth, you won't speak rightly of Christ until you hear Christ rightly. This is why one of the most common and fervent pleas of Christ, again and again, these words, he who has ears, Let them hear. Again, Mark chapter 4 and verse 9. Mark chapter 4 and verse 23. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7 and verse 11 and verse 29. Revelation and 3 and on and on and on. Jesus says again and again, He who has ears, let them hear. Here's the thing. You won't hear. You can't hear without the supernatural, monergistic, grace-awakening work of Christ in our lives. Here is the point of the miracle this morning. For the miracle not only demonstrates our inability but the miracle demonstrates God's grace in our lives to those who were once deaf and now they hear if anyone if anyone is going to hear there must be the intervention of God's grace the kingdom must come to us first if we are going to enter into it the dead don't make themselves alive. The lame don't make themselves to walk. The blind don't make themselves to see, nor the deaf and mute themselves to talk. But Jesus, by his sovereign grace, gives life and sight and speech and grants his mercy and his love. And he breaks the chains of unbelief. They bring the men to Jesus, and they beg Jesus. They beg Jesus. They implore Jesus. They urge Jesus to touch the men. They do for the men what he cannot do for himself. They plead. They speak. They urge and they beg Jesus. What does Jesus do? He takes the men off to the side, away from the crowd. No fanfare, no crusade, no cameras, no crowds, no auditoriums, no domes. I'm often wondering about these so-called faith healers. If they could really heal people, why don't they just go do it? Why don't they walk the streets and heal people? Why don't they go to the hospital wards and heal people? Why must they come to the domes? Why must there be fanfare? Why must there be cameras? Why must there be lights? Jesus takes the man away from the crowd, away from the fanfare, off privately, and begins to minister to him. Now what Jesus does is something that seems strange at first, doesn't it? But Then we'll see it's full of grace and mercy. He puts his fingers in the man's ears. Then he spits. (laughs) Then he touches the man's tongue. Sounds strange, doesn't it, to be putting your fingers in another person's ears? Sounds strange to be spitting and then touching another person's tongue? Jesus doesn't have to do this, beloved. He doesn't have to put his hands in the man's ear. He may have to spit, But he doesn't have to touch the man's tongue. He just healed the Syrophoenician's daughter with a word. Why? Why, Jesus? Why? Why the hands in the man's ear? Why? Why, Jesus? Why touching of the man's tongue? Sinclair Ferguson put it this way. He says that Jesus spoke to the men in a language he could understand, sign language, sign language, fingers in the ears, meant, man, I'm about to open your ears. Spitting and touching the man's tongue says to the man, I'm about to loose your tongue. You can't understand what I'm saying, but you can understand what I'm doing. I'm touching you where you need to be touched. I'm bringing grace to the place where grace is needed. Most. You know, Jesus doesn't touch everyone the same, but everyone he touches is changed. Everyone he touches is changed. For Jesus touches you where you need to be touched. Jesus says to you what you need to hear. Grace comes when you need it. Grace comes where you need it. Grace comes how you need it. songwriter put it this way. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when labors increase. To added affliction, he added his mercy. And to multiply trials is multiplied peace. So Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears, looked up to heaven, touched the man's tongue. And notice what the Bible says. And his ears were opened. And his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Literally, the text says that the chain of his tongue was broken. He didn't just speak, beloved. He spoke rightly. Whatever impediment was there, it was God and suddenly came forth out of his mouth words that were formed, not stammering, not stuttering, but perfectly, rightly formed words. Because the healing of Jesus, when grace comes, it's not a partial. It is complete. For what Jesus truly touches he makes whole. He makes right. Following this miracle, Jesus charged them, he says to them, to tell no one. To tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealous they were in telling it. See the comparison, Jesus says, don't tell anyone, and they says, we're going to tell everybody. And Jesus says, no, I'm serious, don't tell anyone. And they said, no, we're serious, we're going to tell everybody. The more he charged them, the more they determined that they were going to tell it. How can the redeemed not tell it? I like what John MacArthur says in reading this text, he says, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to go with the with the healed man and the others this time. How do the redeemed not tell it? How do the redeem not proclaim it? How do the redeem not promote and pronounce the glories of the Christ who has redeemed them? Ears have been opened, and now you don't hear the sounds of the world, but you hear the sounds of the glory of the kingdom, and your mouth has been loosed. What will you do but proclaim the glories of the kingdom that now you are hearing ringing in your ears? They do this because they were amazed. They were astonished as was often the case when Jesus taught or performed his miracles, they were astonished. They were amazed. They were amazed because they were seen for the first time the kingdom of God in all of his excellencies. They were seen, the king, in all of his glory. when you see the king and his kingdom and all of his ecstasies, as these there gathered saw, you see what they said? He has done all things well. To see the excellencies of the kingdom and to see the excellencies and the glory of the king is to pronounce, he does all things well. I like what the New Living Translation says. He said they say, everything he does is wonderful. Everything he does is wonderful. That might be, beloved, the, the understatement of the year. That might be the understatement of all the Bible. He does all things well. Of course he does all things well because he is a glorious king and he's ushering in an excellent kingdom. He's a wonderful king. Restoring to the earth the excellencies of his kingdom. And as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Oh, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Why? Because Jesus does all things. This is the nature of the kingdom. For the kingdom is a restoration of all things that God created good. This is what Jesus is doing in the manifestation of the kingdom in this miracle and other miracles. All Jesus is doing is restoring to right what had been lost because of sin. You know, before sin, there were no deaf ears. Before sin, there were no stammering tongues. Before sin, there were no blinded eyes. Before sin, there were no broken hearts. Yet the promise of the kingdom of God, the promise of the revelation of the Messiah coming into the world is the promise of the restoration of all that was once good. Good. Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 5, we see the promise of the kingdom and the coming of the king, the coming of the Messiah. And the work of the Messiah would be that the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. What sin destroys, Christ restores. It's a restoration project, beloved. That is the nature of the kingdom. For in the kingdom the deaf are made to hear. Jesus says in John chapter 10 and verse 27, that his sheep hear his voice and they follow him. But this is what God, this is what Jesus does to all those he brings into the kingdom. He opens their ears. He causes them to hear. And they hear the call of the shepherd and they follow him. Well, the first time in that deaf man's life, he hears the voice. And it is the voice of God. That is the nature of the kingdom of God. Not only are the deaf made to hear, but the mute are made to speak. And when they speak, they speak of the excellencies of the kingdom and the king. You remember when John the Baptist was being, was, 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 when Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist? In Luke, in chapter 1. And the angel came to her husband, Zechariah, and told Zechariah that Elizabeth would give birth to John the Baptist. And Zechariah didn't believe it. He doubted the word of God, he doubted the testimony of the angel. And because of his doubt, he was struck with muteness. His tongue was taken away from him, and he could not speak. The Bible says, once the baby was born, and Zechariah gave testimony to what the angel had said, and letting everybody know that the angel had said the boy's name would be John, and that is what we shall call him, the Bible says that his tongue was loosened, and the first words out of his mouth was, Blessed be God who has sent salvation, who has ransomed his people. Because once your tongue is loose, once you hear the word of God and your tongue is loose, you give praise to the one who has loosened your tongue. You give praise to the one who has redeemed you. That's what Charles Wesley said. He gave testimony to the fact that he had been redeemed. As he gave testimony to the fact of the one who had redeemed him, he proclaimed, "O oh, four thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of our God and King, the triumphs of His grace. Hear ye, he, hear him, ye deaf. His praise, ye dumb. Your loosened tongues, implore." Ye blind, behold, your Savior come and leap, ye lame, for joy. That's what happens when the sovereign, merciful work of Christ comes upon you, changes your life and ushers you into the kingdom of God. You know, I'm amazed that how well the world speaks of Jesus. You, you see how these people here spoke of Jesus? Don't, don't be confused and don't, be, don't assume that they're all saved because they're not. They can't doubt the miracles. Like I said, these are substantiated. They know that man was, was, was deaf and now he hears. They know that man was mute and now he speaks. And they say Jesus does all things well. Many in the world would admit that there is something unique and and even amazing and excellent about Jesus. They will even say that Jesus is good. But the question is not whether or not Jesus is good, the question is, is he God? They will even say that he is kind. The question is not, is he kind? The question is, is he king? They will even say that Jesus does things well. The question is not if he does things well. The question is, will you worship him this morning? He who is good is also God. He who is, ki- who is kind is also king. And he who does wonderfully well is the only one worthy of our worship. Pray that you don't go from here this morning amazed how good Jesus was to the deaf man. But I pray that you would even be more amazed at how good he is to you. Be amazed how good he is to you and that in being good, in opening our ears, causing us to hear him, causing us to speak, be amazed that all he ever asked of us is that we would trust him. Trust him and know that he will lead your life better than you do. Trust him and know that he will care for your soul and your body better than you do. Take him at his word this morning. And know that he does all things well. And you can trust him. When Fanny Crosby was born in, in 1820, she was born blind. But that blindness did not keep her from seeing the kingdom and from seeing the Savior. And she proclaimed, she became the most prolific hymn writer the 19th and even 20th century had ever seen. She wrote some of the most beloved hymns that we even sing today. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Fanny Crosby. To God be the glory, great things he has done. Fanny Crosby. Even though she was blind and even though she was a prolific songwriter, her and her husband did not have much in the way of resources, did not have much in the way of finances, and oftentimes found themselves with more months left than they had money. One day, she was in their apartment in New York, and the money had ran out, and they were not sure how they were going to meet the rest of their needs for the rest of the month, and she began to pray. And by our own testimony, there came a knock at the door. And there was a man who handed her a brown envelope. And he walked away. When she opened the envelope, they found there was $10 in the envelope. Just what she needed for the rest of the month. She sat down and she began to praise the Lord and she began to write. She wrote these words. All the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace and divine comfort. Hear my faith in him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me. Jesus does. All things well. Jesus does all things well. Beloved, this morning, Jesus is still doing things well. He is still opening deaf ears. He is still performing the miracle of opening blinded eyes. He is still causing the mute to speak. Would you join me in praising him for doing all things so well? Oh, beloved, don't leave here this morning without hearing the voice of Jesus calling you, tenderly calling you. Trust him and know That he does all things well. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that there is no one here, Lord, who hasn't heard your voice. Who hasn't heard spirit calling unto them. Come unto me and be saved. Lord, I pray that if there's any ears here who can't hear, that by your grace and power you would move to open deaf ears. In opening, I pray that you would cause their mouths to sing the praises of the kingdom that you have just ushered them into. Be glorified, Lord. Be magnified in this place. Oh God and our Redeemer, O oh Jesus, I pray even now that you would do all things well. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.